most likely you're going to encounter some of the higher tier keywords to be very competitive. And the way Google basically prioritizes these is based on how credible they think you are. And the way they define credibility is in terms of popularity, how other people, how other authoritative resources are talking about you and if they're mentioning you. Hey there, you just heard a clip from our latest guest on the People with Digital Marketing podcast, the number one resource for marketers to impress their bosses and eventually become their bosses. And that guest is Farzad Rashidi. Who is Farzad? Farzad is the lead innovator at Respona, the link building outreach platform that helps businesses increase their organic traffic from Google. He previously ran the marketing efforts at Visme, where he helped the company gain over 18 million active users and pass 3.5 million monthly in organic traffic. And in this episode, a topic that is near and dear to my heart is going to be discussed, and that is link building. When it comes to SEO, there are three main pillars that you will have as part of your daily work. One being technical SEO, making sure that the quote unquote plumbing of your website is working so that things are crawlable and indexable. Then you have editorial SEO. Essentially what you're trying to achieve with editorial SEO is creating quality content that ranks and brings in the type of traffic that can convert into either leads or direct revenue. And lastly, you have link building, getting backlinks and endorsements from other websites so that your content and your website overall seems credible to Google and other search engines. And in my experience as an SEO professional, I am, I would say, pretty well versed in both technical SEO and in editorial SEO. But if I'm being honest, I struggle with getting backlinks. It is an art in and of itself. You can have a whole career in just doing backlinking for websites, either as an SEO professional and or someone who works in PR. And in this episode, Farzad is going to unpack this complicated topic. So without further ado, I'm just gonna let us jump right into this conversation I had with Farzad and I hope you enjoy it. Hi Farzad, how are you? Hey Kenny, I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome, so I like to start these episodes off by getting as much context about you as a professional and as a marketer and also the so the listener can know who are you in, in the first place so i want to start off by just getting a sense of why did you become a marketer you know that's a great question kenny uh when i was in high school and you know, i grew up in a persian household and uh, uh and as i'm sure as a, a lot of foreign families they want their kids to either become a doctor or a lawyer or some sort of engineer <laughs> so my initial plans were not to become a marketer at the beginning. I was a pre-med in my first semester of college. And soon I realized I hated it. And what I was basically more gravitated uh, towards was was marketing. And I didn't know much about it at the time, but that was sort of uh, where I found how I spend my free time uh, reading about it and then kind of educating myself since I wasn't studying that in college. And And I was like, you know what? life's too short. Let's, uh, let's do what I love and, and see where this goes and probably not going to be as lucrative of a career as a doctor. And I'm glad a hundred times over that I'd made that decision very early on, uh, to switch my major and, and basically get into what I love doing, which is, which is sort of marketing. So it was kind of a natural tra transition for me, kind of a, I would say self-discovery in a way. And that's pretty cool to hear. Cause I was a pre-med major myself in college 
And I had a conversation with my mom where I was like, I want to drop out. She was like, if you drop out, you got to get a job and you're not going to live with us anymore. And I was like, okay, so can I at least change my major? And then I changed my major to music. And long story short, I, I shipped it over to marketing. Gotcha. Now, with your career, there is one particular moment that I want to highlight for the listeners because eventually some of us, if not most of us, will face this challenge, which is being the first marketer in a business, being the first marketing hire, and essentially given the task of building marketing from the ground up. Can you talk about that moment in your career and the challenges that you faced? Sure. So not only I was the first marketing hire, it was also my first marketing job. So not only did the company didn't know what they were doing, I also didn't know what I was doing. So it's kind of an interesting opportunity there. So just to kind of give you a little background, I was basically, I was looking to create a presentation and I hated how uh, Keynote and PowerPoint looked like. So I was actually just looking around for a different software that would help me create a, a good looking presentation. And I played around with a bunch of tools, but I, re but I really liked this tool called VizMe, which was basically, um, uh, you know, sort of not well known at all at the time. And it was kind of a, I would say sort of hidden uh, <laughs> so, uh, tool. So I, I played around with it and I loved it. I was like, this is freaking phenomenal. Uh, so I actually looked on LinkedIn and, and I found the founder and I ended up uh, cold emailing him and I was like, hey, you know, I'm a marketing student and I wanted to, you know, be involved somehow and uh, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. So caught their interest. They got back to me. It's a, it was a very small company, like less than 10 employees at the time. So I, I was basically had a Skype chat with the founder and uh, Paymon, who's sitting right next to me right now, and uh, took a flyer on me. And at the time, I think I started for free, where I just was like, hey, what, what's taking up most of your time? And they're like, okay, we need like, we don't have any uh, like person helping with support. So like that's taking up, picking up a lot of my time. And we just had a couple of VAs and it. So I basically started and not necessarily being official title was marketing, but it wasn't, you know, it, we, had, we didn't have a full fledged marketing department at the time. So it was kind of me saying, Hey, I'm, I'm free help. So just give me whatever <laughs> you guys don't want to do and I'll do it for you. And then over time, I kind of started going above and beyond and, and they built some trust. And so I came up with ideas. I was like, Hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? And they were like, that's great, but we don't have anyone to do it. And I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> so I started making, I think when they started paying me like $7 an hour or $8 an hour, it was like a very, very minimal wage type deal at the beginning. And um, over time, uh, we started basically putting together the, the key Gordon market strategy and started uh, investing in our SEO and, and kind of turned into a serious role. Now the company was certainly at the point that you know, we could start affording hiring other team members. And so I was in charge of obviously training them, getting them on board, not because I was the most qualified person or experienced person per se, but it's just because I was the only person there at the time. So I knew everything. So then I sort of that turned into a direct level position um, and that I took on after, after uh, school. And, and yeah, so the rest is history. That's amazing. When it comes to that specific experience, if you can reflect on it, what do you think was, and there may not just be one challenge, but what do you think was the biggest challenge that you had to overcome as you were growing with the business and the business was growing? 
I would say any experience. So my experience was pretty much zero at the time. I was learning on the job, basically education, because I studied marketing in school. And anybody who's ever studied business, congratulations. <laughs> You're wasting your time. It's not realistic at all. It's just the way that they teach you. It's just academia is normally much slower uh, than real life. Uh, so it's just very difficult to catch up. But anyway, so I was basically reading blog posts, listening to podcasts, similar to what a lot of listeners are doing. Uh, basically learning from people as we go and then come up with ideas as like, okay, I listened to this podcast episode with this other founder who tried this strategy and it worked out for them. Let's give it a shot. And then we'll try it. Eight out of 10 wouldn't work out. Two of them did. So we would just ignore stuff that wasn't working, just double down stuff that worked. Um, let me give you some examples. Like one of the, I would say, uh, first ideas I implemented was this weekly one-on-one webinar, which was basically going to be sent to Anybody who signed up for BizMe at the time uh, to come and basically, uh, you know, set up a, a live uh, or attend like a live webinar, uh, which will show like best tips and tricks, et cetera. And it was live, so we could answer questions. And also the product was evolving very quickly. Uh, and that's something that we started basically uh, uh, advocating. And, and then lots of people started showing up every week. And, and we still to this day, we're doing it five, six years in. Uh, obviously I don't do this myself, but it, it's, some other team members are doing it now. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, stuff like that or some of them stuck, some of them didn't, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, we did some things right because now Bizme is a very successful company and have over a hundred team members and 20 million active users and whatnot. How did organic traffic and SEO play a key role in the company's growth? So see when, when you start a bootstrap company, uh, you're always dealing with limited resources. So normally when, especially in software, um, there, there's normally very simple, how would we want to call them simple, but like cookie cutter ways of marketing. One is paid advertising. So however way you want to do it, Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera, Twitter. Second is call average for sales. Uh, let me actually address them one by one. Paid advertising works, um, normally better for some of the for b2b is a lot more difficult to make paid ads work um in my experience than some say you know um uh, lifestyle products uh but there are some products that make it work with paid ads but they have to funnel a ton of cash into it and what happens is that when you double the budget normally it doesn't double the conversion so there's some diminishing return which will plateau the so the cac sort of catches up with your ltv very quickly um, not a scalable channel for us at the time and still isn't to this day, even the best in it. Um, call outage works very well, especially with top tier, like very expensive enterprise grade type products. You go door to door, start selling, hiring SDRs and AEs and whatnot. And at the time, our product was like $15 a month. So we we're keeping it very affordable for SMBs. And it's just not a channel that makes financial sense to hire US based salespeople to go sell. And, um, so naturally, we're basically forced into figuring out a strategy that would bring us ever an evergreen flow of customers without having to funnel a ton of cash. So we basically ended up with um, content marketing. So let's say, Kenny, you want to create a presentation uh, tomorrow and you don't want to use, for example, the PowerPoints or whatever you have in your desktop. How would you go about finding a solution like that? Usually, first thing I would do is go on Google. Exactly. Yeah. And, and what do you Google normally? Uh, presentation software, presentation tools, or presentation templates. There you go. So now if you actually do me a favor, Kenny, just open a little incognito tab in your browser 
and just go Google presentation software. And for the listeners listening, I am doing this live. I put in presentation software on Google and incognito. See a couple ads here. The definition of presentation software. And the first organic result is VizMe with 15 best presentation software for 2023, a full comparison. Awesome. You beat Zapier, so, by the way, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. So we didn't get here overnight. So basically what happened was I had read, obviously, the generic traditional advice. Okay, you do some keyword research, find out what your customers are searching for. Then you put together some content and you put it on your website and people start magically showing up. <laughs> so we're like, that's great. Let's do it. So we spent months creating all these pieces of content, put it on our site, and guess what happened? In group. Nothing happened. Nothing it happened. Was absolutely oh, crickets. Okay. Okay. So that was level one. <laughs> that was level one. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, this is interesting. So I pulled up exactly and did what you did. So do you still have the page on? Yeah. I on have the presentations? It. Yeah. You see how right below the search bar it says how many page pages it found at the top? It yeah. Says out of and it's how many pages? Nine hundred eighty nine million results. So six zeros or nine uh, or nine zeros? It's uh, nine zeros. Nine zeros. Yeah. Okay. So nine digits. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So it's 900 plus million search results. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so close to a billion would it be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, let's say you're Google and you're trying to prioritize the searches. Um, let's say top 1%. Uh, you, your quality of content, however, when you want to define is in the top 1%, right? Uh, if you're in the top 1% of 1 billion search results, you're still in the millions. <laughs> so how would you go about from the million search results to top 10 or top 20, especially nowadays that there's these AI writing tools that can just create like a really, really good piece of content in a matter of a few minutes, right? So what's the differentiating factor? I mean... From my experience, I have to assume it has to be a combination of link credibility, getting those backlinks, and at the same time, just finding ways to create content that tackles long-tail keywords that no one else is focusing on, honestly. Yeah, exactly. And it's a matter of credibility, first and foremost. Uh, so yes, you want to prioritize keywords that have lower competition, higher traffic, and higher commercial value. So you, you normally are looking for that sweet spot in the middle. but most likely you're going to encounter some of the higher tier keywords to be very competitive. And the way Google basically prioritizes these is based on how credible they think you are. And the way they define credibility is in terms of popularity, how other people, how other authoritative resources are talking about you and if they're mentioning you. So they measure that in terms of the links back to your website. So if, they're, if someone's talking about you, they likely are linking to your website. And if they're an authoritative resource, it's kind of a vote to popularity. Nice search engine. So we were like, that's great. Let's go get them. <laughs> right. Turns out it's a lot more difficult to get other people to talk about you compared to you just pulling up Google Doc and creating a piece of that content because that's fully under your control. And that's why the majority of businesses don't want to do it. They don't want to deal with it. And that opens doors for opportunities for businesses that do. So we started investing improportionately on our off-page tactics and strategies, which is, and 
basically 80% promotion, 20% creation. And that was really, really started giving us that nice hockey stick growth and traffic. And that, that whole story of actually getting those mentions and backlinks uh, into our website in an organic way uh, was basically uh, the, the genesis of creating Respana, which was basically an internal software that we had put together at Bizme. And it worked ridiculously well. And we decided to release it as a standalone product. And so that kind of, that's kind of the backstory there. Respana solves a key issue, which is helping users get new backlinks. But taking a step back for the listeners who, who need help, and, and this is something where I'm, I'm asking this selfishly because I'm trying to figure out how to do this as well, who need help justifying off-page SEO budget allocation, investments, time, and resources. How would you go about justifying link building in the first place? If you have to justify it, don't do it. It has to be crystal clear. Because it's such a difficult thing that unless the business really truly understands it and relies on it, it's not worth doing. So nine out of 10 times when people ask me, hey, I want to do link building, I tell them don't. (laughs) I'm like, how are you currently getting your customers? What's working right now? Go do what's working. If you're selling t-shirts and shirts and e-commerce stores and Facebook is bringing results, don't divert away from Facebook. Put all your budgets into Facebook. Go take out a loan and put it into Facebook, right? Um, If you're selling hospital MRI machines and you have a sales team and they're selling and they're hitting their quota, keep doing that. Hire more salespeople. Don't dilute your funds and kind of water things down to invest in, in a strategy that's a whole nother universe in and out of itself. So understanding what type of businesses this is actually helpful for, you have to answer two questions. One, are your customers aware of the problems that you're solving? And, and if the answer that is yes, how are they looking for a product or solution like yours? So if I know I have a need, I need to create backlinks to my site. What's the first thing I do? I go and Google it. <laughs> like, what are some of the link building tools? And so that buyer journey tells me that SEO is the most important channel for Ishmana. Um, But I don't buy my shirts like that, right? I, I walk to a store and buy. So maybe retail is your best bet. Uh, or maybe uh, TikTok influencers is your best bet, right? So this is not to say that link building is the answer to everybody's questions. There is a very small subset of businesses that this is actually helpful for. And we found that SaaS companies that are normally product-led and, and content, uh, rely on content to generate inbound signups. Uh, so as we are talking, I can tell you right now, probably a handful of people have signed up for Respana while we are having this conversation. We don't have a sales team. We spend $0 in ads and we do absolutely no marketing <laughs> except for our content and SEO. So. This works if your customers are the type of people that would come across solutions like you and are actively searching and seeking solutions. So having those two answered, then it's almost idiotic not to invest in your SEO. So you need to answer that right. And so once you're like, okay, we need to get our SEO done. And and that's something that is a very critical, important thing to our business. Okay, now the SEO is a puzzle, right? So you basically have your on-page stuff, okay, keyword research, writing content, creating landing pages, yada, yada, yada. If you have technical stuff, okay, let's make sure our meta titles uh, and tags are, are uh, optimized. Let's make sure our site loads fast, is mobile friendly. 
and you have off fish. You can't do one without another. So, okay, how do we actually put this all together? It's going to be crickets. How do we actually promote this site? And how do we actually get some people to link back to us? Um, now, there, there are shortcuts to every single one of these, right? For on-page, you can, you can uh, generate content very quickly with AI. You can, not to say I'm against it, there's definitely ways that you can make it work, and, and we use it, our content team. Uh, but but I, I don't, I'm not a biggest fan of just putting content out for the sake of putting content out. It has to actually add some value. There are ways that you can buy backlinks, right, from Fiverr and some other shady places. And it might give you a temporary boost, but yeah. it's kind of like eating sugar, right? At some point, it's going to come crashing down. Uh, eat the almonds, eat your nuts, <laughs> right? Do it the right way if you want to build a, a sustainable business over the decade, the next decade or two. Hey there. I want to talk to you about a great platform that you can use to support your business, support your team, and get through this tough market, especially if you're trying to continue growing your marketing. But you need more support. And that's Marketer Hire. What's Marketer Hire? Marketer Hire is a platform similar to Upwork and Fiverr where you can hire vetted freelancers that can help you with your marketing. The difference between Upwork and Fiverr is that every single freelancer that's on the platform is vetted, evaluated for their skills, and they only get the top 1% of practitioners in the space. You can get SEO marketers, email marketers, even fractional CMOs on this platform. And what's even better is thanks to a partnership that I have with them, you can get your first $500 off in a credit when you hire your first freelancer on the platform. All you need to do is go to kennysoto.com forward slash hire. That's kennysoto.com forward slash H-I-R-E to get your first $500 off on your first freelance hire. And again, this is a great platform that you can use at any time whenever you're trying to scale your business at any stage of your business. So if you have a business that you're trying to grow, or if you just want to help support your team and impress your boss, visit kennysoto.com forward slash hire to get your first freelancer to support your team today. So we can go a lot of places. I feel like we've already established what link building is and how to justify or just how to move forward knowing that link building is right for your business. Let's talk about the the quality of backlinks. I feel like in my eight years of being a marketer, I've seen more scams than legitimate opportunities to build links for my clients or, or any team that I'm working with. How do you recommend listeners evaluate opportunities? What is the criteria you use to find the right person to reach out to in the first place? Right. So here's the thing. That's where we entered this space is because there's so much malpractice and it wasn't done the right way that we're like, okay, we want to get into the space. Because if that problem is already solved, then there's no reason for us to invest millions into building a software company in this space, right? So obviously we saw the opportunity. That's what we're here <laughs> to solve that problem. So what happens with a lot of uh, um, link builders that they come across websites that are just built for selling links, right? So you come across what we call these private blogger networks that are basically just pump out a bunch of content pieces. They look like news sites that are just right about anything and everything um, that are basically just selling links and you can go buy them uh, through a variety of vendors. There is a lot of backlink marketplaces that you can place in order to get a backlink from the sites. Aside from the fact that it's straight up against Google policy, and sooner or later it might get caught, 
this, the way I look at it is that the type of websites that sell backlinks are not the type of site that would help you get it, uh, get up in the search results in the first place. So the sites that actually are important for you to get a link from are the sites that you don't normally can pay. For example, Responder. I could care less about you a couple hundred yeah. dollars too. Right? Get these emails every day ourselves and our support. Everybody's like, hey, I want to buy a guest post in your site. We don't respond to them. We block them immediately. Um, so the type of sites that you want to link from are, links, are websites that don't sell backlinks and normally aren't on marketplaces. <laughs> so immediately that part goes out the window. So how do you actually start getting links, right? So that's the mm -hmm. golden question is like, you might be wondering, okay, how in the world are you getting links? I'm going to answer your question very, very simply. This is what I'm doing right now. I'm getting a link from your own website. Collaborations. Canyusoto.com. Yeah. I see. I see. Exactly. So, so there you go. So one out of a gazillion different strategies is being a guest on other people's podcasts. I just recently wrote a newsletter on this. Uh, I've been on podcasts once a week, every week for the past year or so. Um, and, and it's a great way to meet smart people like yourself, right? It's not to say that's just to get a backlink. Obviously, uh, you know, we're building this relationship to, uh, it's free advertising to a niche audience. Whoever, if you're listening to the show, you've heard of Responder now, objective accomplished, right? I don't expect anybody to go sign up for it right away, but that's one marketing touch. That's one of those seven touch points before you make a purchase, <laughs> right? And three. You, you put this show together so, and, and you're going to link back to Responder from the show notes. Nobody got spammed. Nobody got scammed. <laughs> I didn't mean that for uh, to rhyme. But, uh, and, and so I'm helping you create this piece of content, right? I spend an hour of my time chatting with you and helping you create an episode together. So you're winning uh, for, uh, for, for this podcast to, to have regular content. And I'm winning. Uh, because we're getting the word out about Responda. And so it's a mutual beneficial collaboration with relevant authoritative publications in our space. That makes sense. I've, I, I would love to know your opinion on this because in the past, I've leveraged platforms where you're not buying backlinks, but you're pitching to have a backlink by providing expertise. So Harrow, help a reporter out, and uh, Quoted, U-W-O-T-E-D. I've used these two platforms and they've helped me get backlinks, but the amount of time it takes just to get one backlink was usually like one to two months of just constant daily pitches. Right. Does that strategy work anymore? I would say yes. So this, these are stuff okay. that Responda helps with. Right? So we built a solution to save time because a lot of the stuff that Responda does, it can do to yourself manually. It's just going to take 10 times as much more time. So. For podcasts, for example, that I mentioned, Responder helps you, okay, who's in your industry that's been on other people's podcasts? So that's how my team actually finds your podcast. They actually listen to the episode. They're like, okay, Farson may be a good fit for this. So they actually got in touch with you. So Responder helps you streamline the whole process from discovery to getting your contact to reach out to personalization. Um, for Harrow, for example, we have an auto filter that would get input your own keywords and it will only find Harrow, the opportunities that come out that are valid, that matches your keyword and quality criteria and it puts it in front of you. So it takes five minutes to just send out a pitch once once or twice a week that comes across the opportunity instead of you getting those newsletter emails to your inbox every day. Um, so again, we built this solution. That's, that's, that's the problem that we're solving is that, yes, we know that it's very time consuming to do these campaigns. That's why we built this solution to kind of help with that. Because you're deep in the, in the weeds of things, I want to know your opinion. 
does domain authority still matter when it comes to getting a backlink? Um, I mean, domain authority is a made-up metric by an SEO company called Moss. There are other variations of it, like domain rating by Ahrefs, there's domain authority score by SEMrush, and they might vary that significantly. Um, but it's one of the best metrics that we have. So um, I wouldn't normally isolate it as, as the only metric. We normally combine that with a few things, like, for example, that that domain traffic. So how much that website is getting traffic from Google? How many keywords are they actually ranking for? Is this all like just, um, you know, one keyword or they're actually ranking consistently for a few things. Um, so combining normally just three gives you a much better picture of the website and their authoritativeness. At the end of the day, you got to have to take a look at the site and see if it's relevant, right? So if it's something that, for example, is from a legitimate business, uh, there you're like, okay, great. This is this t- is the type of website I want to work with. But if it's one of those junk sites, again, those junk sites might have a, a ways to manipulate domain authority and there are ways to temporarily boost your traffic uh, numbers. And obviously you can normally smell it from a mile away when you take a look at the site. So uh, I would say that it, it's one of the good, better metrics that we have, but it's not the only one that you should look at. For the marketer who was able to successfully get that backlink, are there any opportunities to maintain the relationship so that you can get another backlink in the future? Have you seen that be be done before? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. So let me walk you through another uh, golden nugget. (laughs) So normally we have these foot-in-the-door strategies where uh, we normally use them as conversation openers. So for example, let's say we reach out to you like, hey, Kenny, you know, I, I, I love your whatever guide that you put together, guide to podcasting you put together. And, and I'm actually happen to be uh, writing another uh, guest post on, an, on podcast.com and would love to actually reference your guide in the, in the guest post that I'm writing. And as a thank you, I was wondering if you'd be open to having a content collaboration with us. So you don't know us, you don't care about us, right? And so we come across with a, hey, a very clear value prop that we are like, this is what we can do for you. Are you open to collaborating? And normally get a 10% reply rate and say, yes, some of them are interested. So we open that conversation. And then what we do, so once we normally have that transactional relationship, normally trying to see if we can deepen that. So then what we do is we run your, domain through SEMrush or Ahrefs and see what are other competitors in your space are ranking for that you aren't. So we're like, hey, for example, podcast.co is ranking for, you know, best mics for podcasting and, and you don't seem to have a content for it. Uh, here's a screenshot. And uh, I happen to be podcasting for quite some time and I know quite a lot of mics. Uh, uh, would it be okay if I put together a content piece? No pressure if you don't want to put it publish it, uh, but can I send it over for you to take a look? 98% say yes, because you already have a relationship with that site and you don't have anything to lose and you get a free piece of content that you can put on your site. So why not? So there you go. So then we can take that step forward and kind of build on that relationship later on. But yeah, hundred percent, you know, once you have a yes from someone, you have your foot in the doors, a variety of different ways and how you can work on that relationship. Two more questions for you. My next one is about the future. Do you suspect that the future of link building is going to change or just based on your years as a marketer that things are going to remain the same to a certain degree? It's all about just sustaining relationships over time 
providing value first and making sure that the person you're having a conversation with is relevant to both audiences. So I may say this, maybe I'm biased because I want it to be true, right? A lot of, a lot of the times humans form opinions because it's to their benefit to have yeah. that opinion. <laughs> so, um, so take it with a grain of salt, but since you asked for my personal opinion, this is what I think is it, true. Um, I, I think the way humans interact with the web is going to change significantly over the next five to 10 years. Uh, right now, uh, computers have come to the stage of their evolution that they can create. Uh, we didn't have that ability before. So that's kind of the whole new era of generative AI, which is like a big buzzword now. Uh, but the way I look at it is based on what I'm seeing with the trends are, um, we're going to be able to get a lot of our answers a lot quicker. Uh, without us having to do the scouring <laughs> right ourselves. And, and, and so it, it, the website in and out of itself, that it's, it's a static web page that users come, that may uh, be towards not anytime soon, but over the next decade or so uh, would be obsolete. And, and the way uh, a lot of folks do SEO now is there's like, how do we get our content piece on Google to rank for this keyword? So let's try to hack our way to it. I think what's going to happen next in the next step of the whole state of internet is how do we get people to talk about you? Because guess where this AI gets their ideas from? <laughs> from training data that comes from the web. Yeah. And so um, for, for not necessarily getting the hyperlink to your site, but actually getting people to talk about you and vouch for you based on the sentiment of what they're saying about you is going to take a lot more prominence than just getting your website up in the search results because that's where a lot of the AI uh, and uh, or other search engines of the future are going to get their ideas from is, is what other people are saying. So how are the way they're expressing it? It could be on their website. It could be on their Substack. It could be on Medium, right? I, I feel like that the whole concept of um, user-generated content uh, is going to play a bigger role than it is doing today. And I, I think that getting more people to talk about you is going to be critical to getting the name out there versus just focusing on your own website uh, and getting your own pages up. So I, I, I personally foresee this to be uh, the average part, not necessarily for the purpose of link building per se, but for the purpose of raising awareness, connecting with other people in your space. That's going to take a much bigger role than it is doing today. And so... Uh, so I think we're we're very well positioned to to kind of capitalize on that in the future. But again, as I mentioned from the very beginning, this is what I want it to be true. So that's why I have a, a strong opinion on it. But obviously, you never know what's going to happen. So we'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Farzad, my last question for you is hypothetical because time machines do not exist. But if one did, and you could go back into the past about ten years, knowing everything you know today, how would you specifically accelerate the speed of your career? It's a great question. Um, I would probably move to a bigger city sooner. Uh, geography is very important, believe it or not. And I feel like a lot of us um, nowadays, obviously there's Zoom, there's, but there, nothing really beats that uh, you know, face-to-face -face interaction. And I feel like having and, and being in a position or being in a city or in a geographic area that helps it kind of build those connections, go to meetups, meet some friends and they have some friends, you go on, grab drinks and dinner 
Um, those opens a lot of doors in, in ways that you can't even think of. Um, and having kind of that geography, I think, plays a big role. I went to school in a very, very small town in, in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, and then I think that hurt a lot in uh, <laughs> my, my career. So kind of position yourself uh, where where there is opportunity, you, you have the chance to come across it. Perfect. And if anyone wanted to find you online, where can they go to say hi? You know, I'll punt to, this is the first podcast I'm actually disclosing this. <laughs> so before what I would say, and again, it's true today. So you can just find me on LinkedIn, Farza Rashidi. There aren't a whole lot of us out there. So I'm <laughs> pretty easy to spot. But I have recently started the Substack newsletter. So I like to send people there because I like, it's a lot more personal. Obviously, I have my community there. And uh, so farzadrashidi.com, uh, that takes it to my newsletter. So if you're, if you're interested in what I have to say, my blabberings, that, that's the place to, to, to look. So, <laughs> yeah, so and this is the first podcast I'm making that plug. Awesome. I feel honored. Well, <laughs> again, Farzad, thank you for your time today. And thank you to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of the People Digital Marketing Podcast. And if you haven't done so, subscribe and rate us on Apple or Spotify or Google Podcasts because these ratings help us get discovered and get more listeners like yourself. And as always, I hope everyone has a great day. Bye. Thanks again for listening to episode 128 of the People of Digital Marketing podcast. If you've gotten this far, thank you so much for being part of this journey and being part of this community. On episode 129, I will have Alex Levin, the co-founder and CEO of Regal Voice on the show. Alex is a phenomenal CEO and as someone who is selling a MarTech tool, I was interested in talking to him about this concept of phone marketing, which is essentially using SMS as a channel, but also how can you use phone calls to convert leads into customers and how you can use this channel, that being the phone, SMS and phone calls, both in B2B and in B2C business models. So if you're interested in learning more about another marketing channel, this next episode's for you. If you haven't done so, please subscribe. And as always, thanks for listening. Peace out.